0: Welcome to 2024. With the 2024 election on the horizon, the wars in Gaza and Ukraine, and numerous other foreign policy and domestic news stories, it's never been more important to stay informed. The DSR Network has you covered, with experts across all of these stories to bring you the analysis and commentary of the stories that matter. Later this month, the DSR Network will introduce the TNR Daily featuring Greg Sargent, formerly of the Washington Post, and a close friend of the show. Don't miss a moment of our coverage. Become a member of the DSR Network today. Members receive exclusive bonus content, the opportunity to attend DSR live events, a members-only Slack community, an ad-free listening experience, and more. For the month of January, receive 50% off your first year of membership. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code DSR2024 at checkout. That's thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and code DSR2024. Thank you for your support.
1: Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is the DSR Daily. When we take a look at the news, try to provide a little bit of analysis. I'm David Rothcuff. I try to provide a little analysis and to provide you with the news and the real insights. We've got Chris Cotmore. How are you doing, Chris?
0: I'm doing well, thank you.
1: Excellent. And Riley Fessler. How are you doing, Riley? Not too bad. Excellent, Chris. What do you what do what do you got to start us off with? Something really exciting, urgent. Uh the kind of thing we need to know today.
0: Uh the GOP um let's let's call it the GOP election yeah. roundup.
1: Yeah. Yeah, go on.
0: Go um on. so let, let let's start with Trump. Trump, you know, playing coy, said, I know who my vice president is gonna be. Um, but, of course, wouldn't share. I think last what, week. Why I do you talked, think he
1: didn't share it? Why do you think he didn't?
0: Because he doesn't know. He doesn't know. I he's mean,
1: completely full of shit. Absolutely <laughs> correct. Okay. Yeah.
0: He has no fucking idea. No I mean, the fact idea. the fact yeah. that he mentioned it's Chris just Christie. Classic,
1: it's such a classic line of bullshit from this guy. You know, I'm in charge of everything. I understand everything that's going on. He doesn't know where he's going to be, what's going to be up, what's going to be down. Um, yeah, go on. Uh,
0: in, in a shocker, Chris Christie's has dropped out of the election. Um, I, uh, why I, it took this long? I have no idea.
1: Yeah. Right. It wasn't a factor anymore. It's he it was, he played a good role. At least he would periodically criticize Trump, which the other candidates, uh, who are irrelevant did not. Yeah. I think he's, he's firmly
0: against uh Trump in in the White House, which if you're
1: I guess grading candidates, that's a good thing. You've got more than two brain cells, you've got to be in that category. Anyway, go on.
0: (laughs) And then uh Nikki Haley and uh Governor DeSantis sparred in their last debate before the Iowa caucuses. Um Nothing to see here. I mean, they you know, they they're they're trying out their new and improved abortion messaging. Uh they're continuing to suggest that Trump is the wrong candidate. Um and oh by the way, in a, you know, fun filled move, Chris Christie's hot mic picked up the fact that he does not believe Nikki Haley has a shot. And I think the quote was, She's gonna get smoked. Um and Nikki Haley's looking for <laughs> Chris Christie's you love, it Like you can't make this stuff no, up. No, no,
1: I know, but don't you love like these guys? You know, like like he wants to talk like Tony Soprano. There's this is, you yeah. know, this, you know, he's like trying. Oh yeah, she's gonna get smoked.
0: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I mean what, what is that? I mean, <laughs> he lives. He's from New Jersey. What do you expect?
1: Yeah, well, I'm from New Jersey. I don't say that stuff. So. Uh, Riley, what what do you got?
2: Well, uh, bad news for Trump, but he kind of brought it on himself at his New York fraud trial. Uh, He was going to give a closing argument uh, and is being prevented from doing so, but it's because he refused and his team refused to agree to stipulations set by the judge that he has to stay on topic, uh, solely case-related topics, um, and prevent him from engaging in irrelevant matters or public attacks. Um, so unsurprisingly, uh, him and his team realized he's not going to be able to do that because the guy can't keep it together for more than a sentence or two. So it's not, not that surprising. I think it's hilarious. They can't even meet such a basic bar.
1: It's, you know, it's not hilarious in the the sense that he, he never thought he was going to really do this closing remark. He didn't prepare to do it. He wanted to to make some, you know, bravura thing like he regularly does. Oh, I'm going to go and show up and say something. But the judge, you know, set certain guidelines cuz he has no right to speak in the closing remarks. He's not an attorney. He's not representing himself. And so the judge said, "Well, look, don't, you know, violate your gag order and uh, stick to the topic." And he, he went three times to Trump's team. And he said, you know, these are the rules. Can you accept them? And three times they failed to respond. Um, he was The judge was rewarded for his diligence on this point by having a bomb threat at his house this morning. Um, uh, this is part of a pattern of swatting and bomb threats and other kinds of threats levied at people who are presiding over the cases against Trump. Not Judge Eileen Cannon in Florida, by the way, but the other people. Um, and uh, you know, this is a pretty serious thing to do, and cause the local police departments to come and um, you know go to his house and and so forth. But this is one more warning sign that this could be a very uh, violent, disruptive political year here in the United States, and and we've just got to keep an eye out for that. With I, 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 my view is this could be the most violent since. Perhaps 1968.
0: Chris, the United Nations International Court of Justice is hearing a case uh, brought to them by South Africa, uh, accusing Israel of genocide against Palestinians. The International Court of Justice, in this particular this case, is it's not a criminal um, case. They're listening to arguments. Um, <clears throat> and while the case is closely watched um in terms of you know what what comes of this uh i think at this point we're we're probably um you know it's probably pretty clear the 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 allegation isn't baseless as israel claims um and while we've discussed this at length uh in terms of israel's right to protect themselves um this obviously has gone pretty far i am surprised that south africa has brought the allegation um i don't know if they what the angle is there um or if you have any thoughts on that david but no
1: the government there is has a history of holding positions like this on issues like this um uh the the the, the uh, jewish leaders of south africa spoke out against it today and said this is a sign of you know, inherent anti-Semitism. Uh, um, and uh, uh, d- Jewish leaders and in, in, uh, in Israel, Israeli leaders have also, you know, made statements to this effect and and, and one of them calling it, um, a former prime minister uh, uh, calling it, uh, uh, a sh- a, you know, a, sh- a shame, a, you know. Uh, it, it, and it's, you know, as you said, there are grounds for this um there's a horrific story in, that has unfolded in gaza um uh you you know people reasonable people can debate whether you want to call it a genocide or not nobody can argue that it is not a serial violation of human rights and potentially a scene where there are war crimes um, and uh, this is precisely why having an international criminal court or court of criminal justice um, uh, is uh, is so important uh, the United States uh, continues to resist um, um, uh, joining um, uh, these kind of international tribunals because um, the uh, consequences for for some U.S. policies would really be uh, potentially grave. Um, But if we're going to have a civilized planet, we need to have laws um, uh, that even nations must follow. Uh, And uh, uh, sooner or later, um, that means really empowering courts like this uh, to not just have hearings like this, but to impose real penalties to countries that violate uh, these kind of rules. Uh, no no national leader should be immune uh, at the domestic level or at the international level uh, for prosecution for actual crimes that they commit, and that includes war crimes. Uh, Riley? Riley?
2: Well, a story in hypocrisy from the Republicans, uh, as two Republican-led House committees have recommended holding Hunter Biden uh, in contempt for refusing to testify privately about his business dealings. And it's hypocrisy because, you know, there's no way they're going to hold accountable all the Republicans that have ignored congressional subpoenas over the last couple of years. Um, So holding Hunter specifically in contempt is clearly a political move. He also made a surprise appearance at a public hearing, uh, which led to some chaos and some choice words from the Republicans on the panel, including Nancy Mace. Especially had quite a bit to say about his appearance,
1: um, well, and then he left. Say?
2: What did she say, Riley? Go on, you can say it. This is you know. Just uh us and she said friends. he had. Yeah, she said he had no balls. Uh, was no kind balls. of the big thing, and then a few other. <laughs> They seem to be really obsessed with genitalia
1: when it comes to Hunter Biden, because Marjorie Taylor Greene is showing pictures of his genitalia on a fairly regular basis. Um, uh, But, of course, he called their bluff. He's like, "Okay, you want me to testify? I'd like to do it in open court, because I think you guys lie, uh, in, in an open hearing. I'm here. And the Democrats said, you want to hear from Hunter Biden? Just let's vote. Let's hear from him right now. And, of course, they didn't want to do that. And then Hunter Biden, in a really deft move, sashayed out of the hearing room right as Marjorie Taylor Greene was about to begin speaking. So all the reporters, of course, go with him. Um, it was uh, it was it was quite a, a sideshow. But let's be honest: this whole Hunter Biden thing is a ridiculous sideshow. And the you know the whole idea oh you know Bi- Biden did something wrong because Trump did something wrong nonsense. Uh, By the way, there's another ridiculous sideshow going on, which is their desire to impeach um, uh, the Secretary of Homeland Security, uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, um, which is grounded in nothing. It's just political gamesmanship. Have they passed any bills, you know, funding the U.S. government? Have they funded Ukraine? Have they done anything constructive? No. That they view this as a uh, as one of you said, a sideshow. They they view it purely as political theater. Chris,
0: it's just because they don't understand the gravity of impeachment. They throw out impeachment like you know they just don't care. Happens every they, day.
1: They don't they don't care, and they think, yeah. well, if why well, their side did it to us, then our side should do it to them. And it's 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 like a third grader on a schoolyard. You know, they don't get ever past that sort of level of emotional or intellectual development.
0: Yeah, with two legitimate impeachments. Um, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky in a visit to Estonia uh, said that he is not open to a ceasefire uh, with Russia because he feels that will allow Russia to replenish their weapons, um, which fairly enough the Ukrainians are in need of. Zelensky is making the rounds in Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania, um, to drum up support and funding um, because they are running low on funds, and the U.S. continues to uh, stall on the um, sixty billion package, sixty billion dollar package of funding uh, to to Ukraine. Um, I think, frankly, we need to do a better job of educating the public on why it's important um, that we send these funds to ukraine uh, because it impacts you know our you know foreign policy and national security Um, but i just don't think you know there's enough messaging out there to to you know push that forward you know, given all the other things that are going on right now.
1: You know, I'm so glad you mentioned that, because yesterday on our podcast, uh, Deep State Radio, the original, the one and only, the podcast that got it all started, lo, these many years ago, uh, we had on not only uh, Corey Shockey and Rosa Brooks, but we had General Douglas Lude, who is the former U.S. Ambassador to NATO, a retired Army Lieutenant General, who has been actively involved and follows this closely. And we had an extremely constructive discussion about what the U.S. can and should do to revitalize Ukraine policy. Part of it is messaging, but part of it is also bureaucratics, not being slow to release weapons, not creating limitations like saying weapon systems can't be used against uh, Russian uh, strongholds that are being used to attack Ukraine. Uh, Some... Interesting thoughts about where more um, uh, long-range missiles could be had, and how uh, how we could supplement the financial support we provide Ukraine. There are a lot of things we could do, and should do, and must do, and that are informed by having this war. You know, um, it's in its tenth year overall, but this particular phase of the war, the more intense phase, uh, is. coming up on its second anniversary, and that would be a great time for us to reflect uh, and revise our approaches uh, with the goal of ensuring that Ukraine wins, not in the indefinite future, but as soon as possible.
2: Riley? Well, uh, Taiwan has some important elections coming up, and they are alleging that China has been intimidating and and interfering in the polls. Uh, the statement comes from their Taiwan's foreign minister, Joseph Wu, who criticized their repeated interference, as he called it. Um, the kind of inciting incident in this, there's a few things, but the most recent is China's uh, Taiwan Affairs Office released a statement essentially calling out the Presidential candidates from the governing party, the Democratic Progressive Party, who has been pretty outspoken in terms of his support for Taiwan independence and uh, more distance from China, Uh, they said his election would promote separatist activities towards, quote, the evil path of independence. Um, So this election is obviously going to be extremely important. Um, I think China is very nervous if he is going to get into office. And they have kind of warned the U.S. away from interfering. Um, so I think it's an important election to follow, as as you've said before. There's so many coming up in 2024 that are going to be of huge consequence, and I think this is one of the that should be at the top of the list for everyone to keep their eyes on.
1: Well, and it's 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 happening soon. There, there are, you know, I've seen different estimates of the numbers of election. I saw something today from Samantha Powers that of USAID, which referred to over 60 elections in the world this year. Um, I've heard numbers as low as 50, as high as 73. I guess there are different ways that people are counting. But um, these elections uh, matter a lot. This is the debate that always occurs in and around uh, Taiwanese elections. There are factions within Taiwan that want to push for independence. There are factions within Taiwan that want to push for reunification, hard as that may be for a lot of Americans to believe. Um, And of course, the Chinese would like to manage this situation um, uh, to a point where at some point in the not too distant future, Taiwan and uh, China reunify in a in a peaceful rather than in a violent uh, fashion i'm not advocating that i'm simply saying the goal is 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 obviously not to produce a war for a variety of reasons uh, that are self-interested not the least of which is that uh, you know any war that disrupted taiwan's uh, essentially stranglehold on the production of advanced chip technologies would have an enormous negative effect on the global economy and on china in particular so you know, this is this is something to watch closely. Do I think that it will trigger uh, a conflict in the near term? I do not. I think that, uh, that that nobody wants a conflict in the near term in Taiwan, in China, or in the United States. Uh, so we'll watch it closely, and we will report on it as we do on everything every day here on the DSR Daily. Thank you, Riley. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Join us again later for our regularly scheduled in-depth podcast. Uh, We've got one uh, essentially every day uh, this week and on into the future. And uh, we uh, we look forward to you joining us then. Until then, bye-bye.